Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in the Heat podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful northeast Minneapolis. And it is going to be a beautiful day today. Highs approaching 60. Virtually unheard of in February, but this has been, as I maybe said before, the mildest winter I ever (laughs) experienced uh, in my 55 years. Well, that I remember at least. It's been very, very weird. But, you know, the older I get, the less I like shoveling and dealing with bitter cold and driving in all the wintry, icy mess. So it's it's been a welcome relief, I guess. Today I'm going to finally uh, take a look at Cairn First Edition by Yochai Gall. That was requested... Um, a while back by the guy you heard doing my theme song today, Aaron NPC, with his indie rendition. Thanks for that, Aaron. Uh, So I'm going to take a look at the Cairn RPG, first edition. But before I do that, I've got a call from Jason over at Nerds RPG Variety Cast with some comments related to my last show about how Spotify blew it up. You maniacs! Hey Rob, Jason here. So, listen to your latest episode. Yeah, hopefully your Surface will be close enough to a PC to let you use Riverside. They want all the editing to be done through a regular web interface, not through their mobile app. But, who knows, maybe you can log on and pick the regular website and be able to edit using Riverside. There's no cost to it. The only question is how compatible it'll be with your Surface. So I guess we'll find out. You, you talk about living on borrowed time, and then you also talk about not buying another game because you'll never get to it. And that's kind of how I feel. I've been trying to get through things. You know, the week as I call you, I've got a Planet of the Apes game using Goblinoid Games, Apes Victorious, a Masters of the Universe game, using Metal World and uh, After the Bomb game, which is a Palladium game, uh, mutate animals, you know, after the apocalypse. And, of course, that's using the Palladium system. But I'm running all three of those within just a short span, less than a week, you know, just a few days, trying to get through all these games that I've been wanting to run. But, you know, running that many game systems so close together is too much. (laughs) We'll see if I survive. Um, hopefully I don't ruin the experience for the players by being too mumbled and jumbled from doing too much at once. Um, more and more I feel the desire to double down on one game, one or two game systems and just play those, to be honest with you. Um, now I'm tempted to sell everything to, <laughs> to not be tempted to play other games. I don't know. I, I'm fine. Actually, that's not true. I'm okay playing other games, but... As far as running other games, GMing other games, I'd like to pick a handful and just GM those, period. But we'll see what happens. Um, Anyhow, I will talk to you soon. I'll reach out to you by email, and we'll we'll see if we can't 
help find a solution for the podcast thing. And if nothing else, you're always welcome to come guest on my show, or I'm sure many other people would love to have you on their show as well. So there's still hope that your voice will be heard. Anyhow, I will talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do as far as the podcast goes. If Riverside works on my surface, then, yeah, I'll probably keep doing it. But it's going to be tricky because, as I pointed out, I don't really have an internet connection uh, other than through this iPhone. So it would have to be working through this hotspot or using free Wi-Fi somewhere, which probably wouldn't work so well for recording a podcast in some kind of cafe or... I don't know, maybe I could record it on the computer, the Surface, and then, I don't know. I I really don't even know how to make a sound file, so I, I'm just such a technological idiot that I think this is going to be a big hurdle for me to jump over, and eh, maybe I'll be able to do it. But I don't really do editing, unless by editing you mean just tossing together all these different segments and sound effects and calls and whatnot that I have. And I'm going to have to download all this stuff uh, so that I have access to it because I won't be able to get it through Spotify anymore or re-record all the sound effects and sound bites and stuff again. I don't know. It might just be too much and maybe it's better just to let this podcast kind of fade away in June. I do want to get to 300 episodes for some weird reason. It's my baseball obsession. It was always like a big deal when a pitcher got 300 wins, and we'll probably never see that again. But so I think I need to get like 16 more episodes in or something to get to number 300. So that's my goal. That's my short-term goal, just to get to 300 episodes. um, As far as new games go, yeah, it's... I do have way too many game systems that I haven't used, and there are a lot that I'd like to get to the table in a limited amount of time, and trying to convince the people I play with to give them a shot, and, you know, how long do you go? I don't know if, for me, just playing them once or twice isn't really enough to get a good feel for whether it's a a good game system, or whether it's... I want to dive into a game for at least 20 sessions or something before I um, give it up. And I'm not going to devote 20 game sessions to something that I'm just kind of on the fence about. I want it to, it's got to be a a game system that really has some compelling features for me to want to take a a 20 session dive into it and to go through the, the hassle of, you know, switching systems and all that. But, you know, the... It sounds like uh, <laughs> it would be fun what you're doing uh, to, especially like a Planet of the Apes game sounds great, but I know in my muddled mind I'd confound three different systems if I was playing them in short order, um, unless there were things I was already kind of familiar with. But yeah, I hope it goes well for you. And we all know that the systems that Jason will keep for sure are his favorites, Rollmaster slash Space Master and the classic Cyborg Commando. All right, well, thanks for that mess- message, Jason. It's time for me to move on and 
take a little trip into uh, the Karen RPG, and I'll play the message I had from Aaron NPC back in, was it October? I don't remember when this was originally sent, but take it away, Aaron. Hey Rob, Aaron NPC here, contacting you via email message because apparently Spotify has ruined everything for the rest of us. Uh, anyway, I remember you getting a copy of Cairn at Christmas time, I think, and I was wondering what your thoughts are about that. I too am a very big fan of the Into the Odd combat style, and of course BX, and I had hoped that Cairn or maybe its upcoming 2E would be a good smoosh of those two. Uh, it's not quite, but uh, it is kind of cool. Later. Yeah, thanks for that request, Aaron. I did receive Cairn, I think it was in December of 2022, a hard copy that I purchased on Amazon. And this is a digest size booklet, uh, perfect bound. Cairn is really accessible. You can download a PDF for free from drive through from cairnrpg.com, Yochai Gall's website. And I think he's got an itch page. You can get hard copies at cost pretty much on Amazon or Lulu or drive through. They're like three bucks uh, plus shipping, of course. So, it, I mean, it's great that it's such a low cost entry free if you want the, just the PDF. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't played this, so take my opinions here with a grain of salt, whether my lack of playing it invalidates any kind of thoughts I have is, you know, entirely up for you to decide. Uh, to me, um, like, like seeing a movie trailer, <laughs> sometimes you can look at it and just know, um, yeah, this doesn't look like something I'll enjoy. And some RPGs are like that for me. And some are just, I, I read through them and think, yeah, there's some interesting stuff here, but there's nothing in here that makes me really want to play it. I'll keep playing other games that I am more <clears throat> inspired by, right? So, and that's kind of how I feel about Cairn. It, in my original thumbnail response to, to Aaron NPC, I basically just said, well, it's... It's a mashup of Knave and Into the Odd. And that is like 95% of this, from what I can tell. It's it's essentially taking Into the Odd, adding the spells from Knave, adding an inventory system similar to Knave, and using the, uh, the Scars idea of... Of improve character of improvement by by being knocked to exactly zero hit points uh, that Chris McDowell has in Electric Bastion Land, but yeah. So I'll just go through here. The on the back it says an adventure game inspired by the likes of Into the Odd and Nave. No kidding. Explore a mysterious woodland filled with all manner of creatures, fey and fell. Pillage ancient barrows, steal powerful spellbooks, and slay horrid beasts. Content design and layout by Yohai Gall. Editing Jim Parkin. Cover design Cosmic Orary. And character sheet 
Licopio, L-I-C-O-P-E-O. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing any of your names. The front cover is um, this kind of thicket of brambles and thorns in the foreground with uh, a couple of hands like trying to claw its way their way out a crown um, entwined amongst this brandle, bramble and in the background um, it looks like the silhouette of a fortress at the very top of the image with cairn written across it. It has a kind of a claustrophobic feel. It's just a black and white, like, woodcut or line art drawing. It, it's pretty cool. It's definitely gives you a feeling. Um, I, I wish there was, I mean, it says here, it, it kind of makes this, well, not promise, but it talks about exploring a mysterious woodland filled with all manner of creatures fey and fell, but it doesn't really deliver much in the way of implied setting to me uh the art is very very um i don't know there's not much of it and i guess it does allude to to a kind of a fey woodland and stuff but i didn't i didn't find much in the content of the actual rules uh that took me in that direction so this booklet that I got from Amazon has the capability to have like 26 pages, but the first page just has the title. Second page is credits. The last two pages in the booklet are completely blank, as is the backside of the last third page, and the front of that is just a woodcut. Uh, or silhouette-like black-and-white drawing, which is pretty cool. But, so there's a lot of space that wasn't utilized, so I kind of, that to me is a real big missed opportunity, that when, if you were putting this to a uh, print-on-demand kind of thing, presumably uh, the creator gets to see how it fits in the format, and if you saw that you had that much unutilized space that maybe you'd fill it up with something so to me that's a, a really big missed opportunity but uh yeah so the first page is giving design philosophies it's classless there's uh characters death characters may be powerful but they are also vulnerable to harm in its many forms death is always around the corner but it is never random or without warning. Fiction first, dice do not always reflect an obstacle's difficulty or its outcome. Instead, success and failure are arbitrated by the warden, which is what they call the GM in this game, or the referee, the judge. It's the warden. Uh, uh, so, growth characters are changed through in-world advancement, gaining new skills and abilities by surviving dangerous events and overcoming obstacles. Um, that might be a design philosophy, but the mechanics of the game don't really support that a whole lot, in my mind. Neutrality, the warden's role is to portray the rules, situations, NPCs, and narrative clearly while acting as a neutral arbiter. Player choice, players should always understand the reasons behind the choices they've made, and information about potential risks should be provided freely and frequently. Principles, 
the warden and the player each have guidelines that help foster a specific play experience defined by critical thinking, exploration, and an emergent narrative, and shared objectives. Players trust one another to engage with the shared setting, character goals, and party challenges. Therefore, the party is typically working together towards a common goal as a team. That's that's all cool. Uh, a lot of this is kind of OSR 101 and more or less role-playing games 101. I haven't played RPGs with many people that didn't have like shared objectives or that didn't understand the player's role and the referee's role in the game. Um, but I suppose if if someone had picked this up for the first time, these might be useful to have. Um, then the next two pages are elaborating on these things, principles for wardens, principles for players, and some of it is... Uh, doing a, a little bit of mechanics and and how to go about things. Like there's a discussion of the die of fate, which is something that's been around a lot of different RPGs and lifted from pretty much into the odd too, if it if you want to take a more recent vintage, but you just roll a die and if it's high it's kind of going in the player's favor. And if it's low, it's going against it tends to mean like bad luck for the players. So again, I mean, these things, it's not that they're not useful. It's not that they're not, uh, good advice, but it, these two pages along with the, uh, the design philosophy page, the credits page, the title page represents 20% of the content of the written material in here. So, yeah, I think, again, we're, these are just kind of interesting layout choices and content choices by the creator that I think could have been uh, utilized in a much more useful way. If you're going to have a free game um, with directions to go to uh, your website for more content, to me... It would make more sense to put stuff like this on the website because this isn't something that at least I would be referring to very often in my hard copy. Um, I don't need to constantly refer to the to the design philosophies and to the um, principles for wardens and players. What I would like to see more of, like in, in a in a rules booklet is more monsters and more relics and artifacts and stuff like that. That's what I'd be wanting to refer to or, um, a sample adventure or something like that. So yeah, to me, that's one of the biggest questionable decisions for just the content that you put in your game when you're also supporting it on a website where you have like a whole bestiary where you have adventures and stuff. Why not have the, the philosophy stuff, the, the, how you envision the game to be played there and have in the hard, uh, the physical format, have the stuff that a referee is going to be constantly 
looking to use at the table. But I'm a person that uses their hard copy at the table, and I don't look at PDFs or anything like that on a computer or anything. So maybe I'm an oddball. So from the design philosophies and all that, we roll right into character creation. And yeah, this is, this is essentially just into the odd. It's three ability scores, strength, dexterity, and willpower. It's uh, using hit protection, the idea of hit protection. Uh, it's using the idea of automatic hits. And once your hit protection is gone, any damage done is to typically, through physical violence, is to your strength score. And if that gets whittled down to zero, then you're dead. Uh, if you if you do start taking strength loss, you have to make a, a check versus your strength to keep fighting. Otherwise, you essentially go down in a heap. Um, there could be monsters that affect your dexterity and willpower rather than strength or there could be spells or other relics or magic items that could affect that but you're you're just rolling 3d6 for each of your attributes you're rolling a d6 for your hit protection uh, and then it's using um, rather than how into the odd has that clever table for cross indexing your your starting hit protection and your highest attribute to find a starting package of equipment and potentially uh, some kind of odd trait about your character. This uses tables to equip your character and also has, like Into the Odd and other games, uh, uh, random tables for various characteristics about your, your PC. It has uh, potential names... There's 20 female names, 20 male names, 20 surnames. Not really sure what the um, lineages of this naming, these naming conventions. They look a little bit old English or something. But when there's just 20 names of each uh, of of male and female and 20 surnames, I don't know if that's really enough to to really go very far in a game when you until you start getting repeats or having to create your own anyway i suppose in some way this creates a little bit of a feel for the game if if people choose to use these names in their games the backgrounds there's just 20 backgrounds and uh it's a it's kind of a grab bag of medieval type occupations and what would be kind of a character class, for instance, an alchemist or a cleric or a magician, how you'd parse that, or a ranger, how you would parse that with a miner or a grave digger or a gambler, I don't know. Um, like, in a game with magic, if your background is a magician, does that mean you should start with a magic item? With spellcasting capabilities or not, or just that you maybe perform tricks of some sort. There's also a performer. I don't know. To me, the backgrounds aren't... Uh, there aren't enough of them, and I'd rather see something where it's more, uh, more occupations rather than these things that could be kind of confounded with classes and as an alchemist should I be able to whip up a potion or identify a potion or make some kind of antitoxin it, 
do I need a lab for that? Um, I don't know. There's also a page, you know, a page devoted to character traits, which are all D10 tables for physique, skin, hair, face, speech, clothing, virtue, vice, reputation, misfortunes. These are things that you find in a game like um, Maze Rats or Knave, um, and they're with just a D10. There's, to me, not enough of them to really warrant having this. It might be useful to, for some to get them thinking about different things in their character, but with just 10, again, if you have a party of like four characters, there's probably a good chance that there's going to be something where you're the same um, with, with characters, and not to mention having NPCs and stuff. And some of them are just kind of weird. Like, uh, for skin, they have elongated and round. I don't exactly... what. What is round skin and what is elongated skin? Does that mean you have, like, excess skin folds or something? I, that just seems kind of weird. Uh, then there's a page, you know, of the random tables for starting gear. Here's another thing that makes me scratch my head. A, a page devoted to the hundred spells that you can randomly determine. But the spells are numbered one to a hundred already, so this is to me, a waste of space and superfluous because you could just roll D100 where they describe the spells and determine randomly a spell <laughs> off of that. Uh, then they have a price list for equipment and gear. Um, it's, yeah, it's okay, whatever. It's, it's kind of like a BX spell or equipment list. Um, where the costs don't really make a whole lot of sense uh, from a, a more realistic medieval portrayal. They have optional gear packages where if you wanted to have um, beginning characters more like a, a, a PC class from uh, a more traditional like D&D style game, you'd have your own gear package. So you could be a cleric, a friar... A dowser, a knight, dwarf, magic user, elf, ranger, fighter, and thief. There's really no um, differentiation between species. So if you choose a dwarf or an elf, there's, I mean, there's no other advantages for your characters. You just start out with a different uh, uh, package of gear, which has a little bit of an evocative thing. Like the elf starts out with a spell book. Of, with either charm or detect magic. The dwarf starts out with a poisonous mushroom, uh, a prickly root for their, for their weapon. So, I mean, it's, it's evocative, and I'm fine with, with the differentiation of, of PC species being more cosmetic than any kind of, like, game mechanics or advantages. I mean, that, that's fine by me. It's an interesting design choice. Um, but the, so the rules, the, the, for saving throws, for healing, uh, for reactions and morale are, and combat for the most part are, are lifted straight out of, into the odd. There's, I've talked about that before and there's really not a whole lot of difference between them. So an into the odd, which is more of an industrial age kind of thing, there's 
there's really, armor doesn't play nearly as much of a role, and there's things like muskets and guns and bombs and stuff like that. And they don't have that here. This is more traditional fantasy. So um, the creator had to, had to take a look at uh, having more possibilities for armor, right? So you have armor can have up to three points of damage reduction in this, but you can't have more than three. Um, Brigandine offers one protection, uh, chain two and plate three, and then you can get more protection if you're a shield, a helmet, a gambeson, or gauntlets all provide plus one armor, but, it, but as you can't go higher than three, there's really no point unless you make some kind of narrative differentiation in combat to having a, if you're wearing plate mail, there's no point in wearing a helmet or having a shield or gauntlets or wearing a gambeson. And likewise, because plate mail is 60 gold pieces and you could buy a gambeson, a helmet and shield for 35, I guess, well, the plate would only be two, uh, slot equipment slots in your your inventory, whereas shield, helmet, and gambeson would be three, so I guess that's the one advantage. I didn't talk about inventory. Uh, so it uses, uh, utilizes inventory kind of like how Ben Milton does in Knave, but in Cairn, rather than having it tied to your attribute, like strength or constitution, and that tells you how many slots you have, everyone just has ten which is a little bit deflating. I, I guess it makes it more simple. And, I, you know, games like BX are like this, too, where uh, rules is written, there's no differentiation between having a 3-strength or an 18-strength or being a 6-foot-5 human or a 3-foot-60 pound halfling. And I think that approach is weird and unrealistic and, and strange in BX, and I find it equally strange in Cairn and why you'd continue doing that, I don't really understand, other than just to keep it simple. And I suppose because spells are tied to inventory slots in a lot of ways, that might be why uh, Yohaigal chose to just have 10, because anyone can cast a spell if they have a spell book, um, but they have to have, in order to use the spell, they have to have it in both hands and read it aloud and a spell book counts as one slot in your inventory. So if you're carrying around a load of spell books, you probably can't um, be wearing armor and stuff unless you have a mule or a wagon, which, let's talk about that. A wagon is only eight slots. And what is a mule? Six slots. So a human can carry more than a wagon. That seems kind of, yeah. And a human can carry more than a mule, too. That just doesn't seem right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so to me, the armor doesn't make sense. Some of this inventory stuff doesn't really make any sense. It's something that you could easily fix to make it work in your own minds. And, and if, if it's not a hang-up, hey, it's not a hang-up. It just happens to be one for me. Uh, 
Scrolls are a little bit different than spell books in that uh, a scroll doesn't take up an inventory. They do not cause fatigue, and they disappear after one use, much like a regular old D&D scroll. Um, so that's the, the other thing with spell casting. When you cast a spell, it counts uh, a fatigue point towards you. And a fatigue point essentially is tying up an inventory slot. So this is a clever use of fatigue. I like how it's utilized in the game, um, tying up fatigue spots. Because once all your inventory slots are, are filled, well, you can't have any more for one thing. But for another, it means that you are so overburdened that you can't protect yourself, so you effectively have a, a hit protection of zero. Um, now, unlike Into the Odd, this does not have any kind of character advancement. You don't go up in levels. Um, you don't improve your stats. You don't really improve at all unless somehow you came to an, a, some kind of agreement with the referee and said, hey, I'm going to devote... X amount of time to train with a weapon master. So maybe now when I use my longsword, it does a D10 of damage rather than a D8 or something like that. You could easily incorporate little things like that into this game. Um, but as written, the only th way you really improve is when your character, or potentially improve, you can get worse, uh, is when your character's hip protection is reduced to exactly zero in combat. Then you look up on this table, which goes from 1 to 12, based upon the total damage taken that reduced you to, to zero. So if you were at three hit protection and suffered three points of damage bringing you to exactly zero, you would have result three applied to your character. You are walloped. You're sent flying and land flat on your face, winded. You are deprived until you rest for a few hours, then roll d6. Add that amount to your maximum hit points. So, um, yeah, that's how you can potentially have your character improve in the game as being knocked to exactly hip, zero hit points. Um, so uh, that's, like I said, taken from direct from Electric Bastion Land. Now, the table itself might be a little different. I'm not sure about that. And the fatigue, I'm not sure if that came, if that was something that Yohai Gall came up with uh, on their own, or if it was taken from a game I'm not familiar with that's kind of like an Into the Hot Hack, like maybe like Mouse Ritter or something. I don't know. Um, there's... A little bit, there's devoted to these relics, which are essentially magic items in the game. Relics are imbued, items imbued with a magical spell or power, they do not cause fatigue. Relics usually have a limited use as well as a recharge condition. A few examples, and a few is right, there are four examples given. Um, so, something like, here, honey clasp, three charges... A rusted ring that shrinks the bear to six inches tall. Recharge, place in a thimble-sized cup of royal jelly. Not really sure what royal jelly is. Is that some kind of, like, super pure honey? I, I can't, I'd have to look it up. I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, 
but there's only four of them given, and that's where I say that some of this, this what I think is kind of either is totally wasted space and that there's just blank pages or some some of these content choices i'd much rather see a lot more um uh, relics listed i'd rather see a lot more monsters because the bestiary on page 15 consists of one two three four five six monsters and then a guideline for creating monsters so Kind of like how Into the Odd has very few monsters, but then a, a guideline for creating monsters. But where Into the Odd provides a little bit more fodder, not only for Arcana, which it has a lot of listed, but in the accompanying introductory adventure, uh, the Iron Coral has a bunch more monsters in that adventure and a bunch of other Arcana not listed. So... It kind of provides a lot of added fodder. All right, what else? So then we go to the spells. There are a hundred. Ninety percent of them are exactly how they appear in Nave. About ten of them are either unique to the game or combine aspects of a couple of different spells from from Nave or something. So, yeah, it's it's pretty much just Nave. Um, there's a character sheet, which is... It's a one-page character sheet. It's all right. It's... I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. It'll, it'd be serviceable. Uh, what did I want to say about the spells? Oh, so the spells. This is kind of a, a unique thing, too. Anyone can cast a spell by holding a spellbook in both hands and reading the contents aloud. They must then add a fatigued inventory occupying one slot. All right, cool. Given time and safety, PCs can enhance a spell's impact, e.g. affecting multiple targets, increasing its power, etc., without any additional cost. If the PC is deprived, and that's a condition where you maybe have been without food or water or you know, some magic item or monster effects can maybe... Uh, set upon the deprived condition or something too, or in danger, the warden may require a PC to make a will save to avoid any ill effects from casting the spell. Consequences of failure are on par with the intended effect and may result in added fatigue, the destruction of the spell book, injury, or even death. And that's really all you're given. So it's, yeah, that, that's really, really open-ended. Anything from added fatigue to death. And you'd, I think as a referee, would have to, when players first think about using a spell in a dicey situation, either they're threatened in combat um, or they're deprived or whatever, that you'd have to lay out kind of the the potential consequences and their chances. So if you fail the will spell or the will check, um, is it based upon how badly you botch the roll? Could have um, more serious consequences or is it 
based upon if you were trying to enhance the spell's effects. There's a there's this couple moving targets there. You have the die roll and the the specific character's will. You have whether or not they're trying to do something above and beyond the normal capabilities of the spell. Um, this is something that could really have used for um, like an example of play. And I think this whole game in general could have benefited greatly by an extensive example of play to try and flesh out some of the, the really kind of murky ideas in, in some of it. And maybe there, I, I didn't look thoroughly at, at the uh, KarenRPG.com site to see maybe there is um, an example of play. That's something I really liked in uh, Into the Odd and I, of course, like it a lot in BX, too. I think it's really helpful. Now, I don't think Cairn, even though it's kind of meant to, like, or it seems to be implied with all this philosophy and intent and stuff laid out, that maybe it's geared towards beginning RPG players. I don't think many people will have this as their first game. And if they do have it as their first game, I think it's going to be something that will be a pretty challenging thing to run with what is given. Now, again, maybe there's some things on the website or uh, other videos and stuff that you can watch that would give you some some guidance on how to make rulings in some of these areas. But there's, I mean, there's no information on movement rates. Uh, there's no, like, how does armor affect your movement? How does armor affect your your chances of surprising anyone. There's, I don't think there's even really anything in here about surprising anyone. Um, there's no procedures really given for dungeon exploration or wilderness exploration or overland travel. Now you might say that, well, you could easily make rulings on these things like, uh, making a strength check to you know, bash through a door or making a dex save to do this or a will save to do that. But something as basic as movement rate and ranges for weapons and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I realize that Into the Odd itself too is also pretty stripped down in that regard. Um, but if I were making a game, I think I would probably elaborate on those things rather than continue in that tradition. But, yeah, your mileage may vary. This might be right up your alley, and it might not. It's, um, it's yeah, it's, it's really just a smash-up of Knave and Into the Odd. Mainly Into the Odd, um, the Knave spells and inventory idea and the... Uh, the wounds table idea and scars from Electric Bastion Land. So as a summing up, um, Cairn could be a, a useful like starting point for someone that really liked Into the Odd and wanted to make it more of a traditional fantasy RPG kind of setting and feel with spells and stuff. Uh, I, I'm sure... People could have a lot of fun playing this. It's not, as is, something I'd choose to use as an RPG. It's maybe something that 
it would be a time saver um, and could be building blocks, I think, for something that would appeal to me more. But as it stands, this is something that, for me, is less than the sum of its parts. I would rather play Knave or Into the Odd than Cairn. I think Into the Odd is has a, a more interesting implied setting and, and one that's frankly fleshed out much, much better and in much more detail. And I like the idea of the arcana providing the magic in, in the game rather than having spells. But if you'd like, yeah, if you wanted to have more traditional spell books and stuff like that, this is a way to go. But <clears throat> where to me, Knave is the superior game is that is taking a more traditional OSR approach and is much more compatible with existing OSR adventures and game material than Cairn is. Cairn, yeah, you could probably use it and run Keep on the Borderlands or something or Isle of Dread and and uh, just use the monster stats off the website that because uh, Yohaigal has gone through most of the traditional D&D monsters and provided a stat block for them and stuff. So you could, you could do that, um, but it would be a lot easier with Knave um, because it's a lot more... The, the language is a lot more similar. There's level advancement. Uh, the hit points are going to be closer together. Um, it's armor class rather than, than uh, armor reducing damage and all this stuff. So it's, it's going to be a lot closer fit. Uh, so if you wanted to have like a, a classless game with different type of magic than say BX or Swords and Wizardry, but you still wanted to use all your OSR adventures, Knave is a lot easier to do that with. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting game. It's the layout's fine. Like I said, the content choices to me are really questionable in that they didn't fill out the potential space with things, and that a lot of the stuff that's included in the the hard or the the rule set to me could have been left on the cutting room floor and been the stuff that you have on your blog or your website or whatever because uh, like these random tables for traits and stuff like that well there's a lot more extensive ones that you can easily find for free too um, so I'd much rather have the as my reference more monsters in here more more relics maybe a little intro ad, uh, adventure or uh, or an extensive example of play or something. So, yeah, it's. I think it's uh, become kind of fairly popular. People seem to recommend it, um, but it's not something that I'll ever play. It's the fatigue idea in here is cool. It's something that I'd maybe use in some kind of inventory game system or inventory slot game system. Um, but... I'll wait for. Oh, and I should I should note that uh, Yohai Gall is. I think he's going to be launching a Kickstarter fairly soon for a Cairn Second Edition, which might address some of the concerns I have. 
but he's also going to lean far more into the electric pasture land kind of building blocks where he's making, rather than failed careers, I think it's like it is an electric pasture land. I think there's like a hundred of them. He's going to have a bunch of different professions in this. So it's going to be more, I think, a mashup of Nave and Electric Bastion Land rather than a mashup of Into the Odd and Nave. So kind of like Electric Bastion Land with a, a fantasy setting. That's kind of the, the gist I got of it. There is, I think, a free like working document, playtest kind of thing that you can take part in. So you could probably find a PDF fairly easily. Might even be on cairnrpg.com. So, yeah, that's my my look at Cairn. And um, if anyone has played this and has any thoughts about how it worked out for them or it is working if you're still playing it and stuff, let me know. I'd be interested in hearing how your games go using Cairn. Um, but for me... If I was going to choose a, a rules-like game system like this, I'd choose Into the Odd or Nave or, yeah, something else. This just, it just isn't for me, which doesn't mean it's not for you. It could be a great game for you. So check it out. It's free, um, and um, there's a, a lot of different content on the Karen RPG website. So, all right, that's it for my review. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Aaron for your suggestion for this topic. Thanks to Jason for your call. And until I talk to you again, don't go down in a heap. Hey, your old pal Columbo here with one more thing about Can. The one thing I forgot to really mention in my summing up about why I prefer Into the Odd to Cairn is the whole character advancement thing. Into the Odd uses the traditional level system where you get more hit protection as you go up in level. You could potentially improve attributes, and it's much more likely that you'll improve poor attributes than good attributes. And the level advancement itself is triggered by kind of interesting things. In Cairn, it's all the just the scar table. Um, so it's almost entirely random and uh i think your characters would be a lot more samey in cairn than they would be in into the odd or nave for that matter so that's the other thing i got to say about it thanks